I want to tell you about a podcast that I recently run across. This podcast is called Anchor. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Yes, it's easy to make a podcast, to record a podcast. Let me explain. Number one, it's free. That's right. It's absolutely free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your cell phone or your computer or your laptop or your iPad. And Anchor also will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You have to try it out. Get your Anchor today. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. This is Minister James Davis, otherwise known as Dr. J. And we want to welcome you again. We want to welcome every one of you to, uh, to my iPod um, called God's Roundtable. And we have done a short series, a two-part series on Christian growth. And we talked about uh, the different stages of Christian growth past, present, and future, uh, sanctification, justification, glorification. Uh, we, uh, we have to understand that we are all a work in progress. We are all growing towards our Christian faith, or rather growing in our Christian faith. Every single day, we are growing in Christian faith. And uh, again, I Pray and hope that everyone is doing fine and getting your daily dose of life, enjoying life. Sometimes life can be difficult, but God is still in control. Amen. So today I want to dive right into it. Uh, I want to talk on a subject that uh, is hardly ever talked about in churches anymore we in churches we, we we discuss more on a we teach more on a materialistic level than a Christian or a godly level so one of the things that is hardly ever taught on in the churches anymore is the subject of prayer now we must understand that prayer, the weapon of prayer, is a very powerful weapon. The weapon of prayer is a very powerful weapon in that prayer more or less connects us to God. Prayer actually connects us to God and look at it in this vernacular a an iron has no power no electrical power or no current unless that iron is plugged into a power source so to connect to that power source, that iron, and you could use anything, but that iron needs a connection source. 
the connection source for the iron to get the electricity or to get the power that it needs to operate would be through the cord. Now, if the cord is not plugged into the power source, then there can be no power to the iron and the iron cannot function the way it was designed to function. It, 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 cannot, it cannot function with its purpose unless it's connected to the power source by way of the cord. Now, the, the believer, the believer in this scenario, the iron would be the believer or the child of God. The power source who would be God. The connection to the power source which is the cord, the cord is the believer's prayer. So unless we connect to the power source, we cannot fully function at our full capacity. We cannot function the way God has ordained us to function. So prayer is needed. Now, we're going to look at, we're going to look at, uh, for a opening text, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, and verses 7 and 8, where Jesus was actually talking about prayer. So, Matthew chapter 7, and verses 7 and 8 is where... We're going to start. So Matthew chapter 7. In verse 7. Jesus is actually speaking. And he says. Ask. And it shall be given. You. Seek. And ye shall. Find. Knock. And it shall be opened unto you. Look at the next verse. For everyone that asketh receives and he that seeks finds and to him that knocks it shall be opened unto them. Now understand that we have to know what prayer really is. We, we have to know what prayer is. We, as believers, we must know the importance that Jesus placed upon, uh, upon prayer. And understand this, that prayer is answered in many different uh, forms or many different ways. Uh, 
there are different levels of prayer. There are different levels of prayer. There are different uh, types of prayers. So you don't have to, it is not embedded in stone that you bow down on your knees and pray. All right. Now, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. So what is prayer? Let's let's start with the definition of prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is simply communicating with God. It is simply communicating with God. Now, understand you with with communicating, you have the word commune and in order for you to commune properly you have to have another entity another person someone or something you are communicating to so what that means is what I'm saying is this that prayer is not a monologue it's not a monologue. You're communicating with God. And God is communicating with you and me. So, so prayer takes on different forms. It, it takes on different forms. Uh, but basically, it happens or occurs when we as the, the man or the, the human talks with God and then in turn God talks with us hence there's the communication so so prayer you can say prayer is when God talks to us it's communication with God and it's when God talks to us and we talk to God or we talk to God and God talks to us and it could be in different forms. We have different, uh, uh, different thoughts that we use or different wordages that we use when we talk about prayer. Prayer is calling upon the name of the Lord. Amen. Calling upon the name of the Lord. Go to Genesis chapter 12 and verse 8, which is the very first, the very first, record of actual prayer in Genesis chapter 12 and verse number 8. So again, prayer could be said uh, it's communication with God but it's also calling upon the name of the Lord. So in, in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 8, the Bible says, now here uh, this is where this is where God called Abram and he changed his name from Abram to Abraham and so uh, Abram leaves and he he is he is instructed by God to leave his hometown and go to a place that I'm going to show you when you go and, and now, so, so when we look at verse number 12, and uh, uh, verse number 8 rather, 
And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel. And, and talking about Abram, pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. He called upon the name of the Lord, meaning that he began to commune with God. He, he, he communed with God again. God, now, now, if you pay attention to this, uh, this 12th chapter of the book of Genesis, and you read through to verse number 8, you'll find, you'll see what I was saying in the offset, that God instructed Abram to do something. He instructed Abram to leave his house, leave his, leave his hometown, go to a place where I'm going to show you because I have plans for you. So in, in order for Abram to function at the capacity that God wanted him to function, which he had to walk by faith because God tells him to leave his hometown, go to a place that I'm going to show you. And Abraham don't even does not even know where he is presently going. He's just gone. So now he, 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 he has pitched his tent and the Bible says that he called upon the name of the Lord. He began to commune with God. His prayer is the iron cord. He is the iron. God is the power source. So he called upon the name of the Lord. Now, he prayed. He began to communicate with God in verse number 8. He communed with God. So again, that is a form of prayer. That is a form of prayer, communicating with God. Now, the, the, the other term, the other phrase, rather, that we use as it relates to prayer um, is crying unto God. Crying unto God. We use that phrase. Crying unto God is a form of praying. You, you, you have to understand this. That all of these things, all of these things, all of these phrases that I'm actually giving you right now, those phrases involves the the um, the prayer, the prayer, the prayer, and the prayer, and the person who's being prayed to. So, so again, you have calling. Upon the name of the Lord. See? Calling upon. And then the name of the Lord. Which implies God. And then the second one. As we mentioned. Is crying unto God. Crying unto God. And we can look at Psalm number 27. 
Psalm number 27 and verse number 7. And now I have a list of them, but I'm not going to give you, I'll give you a few and then I'll give you the rest with the scriptures attached to it. So that way you can go back and you can look at them at your own uh, leisure. So, so we see crying unto God is a form of prayer also in Psalm 27 and verse number 7 uh, and then chapter 34 and verse number 6. These are all where we see uh, crying unto God. 27 and then verse number verse number 7. Okay. Now uh, verse 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 seven says, verse seven says, "Hear, O Lord, when I cry. Hear, O Lord, when I cry." I want you to see something here. He says, "Hear, O Lord, when I cry." Now, that word that word cry. That word cry um, comes from a, a Greek word, which means, a Hebrew word rather, the, the, the word cry here comes from a Hebrew word means, which means to call or to call out to. So the, 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 that word cry here means to, to call out to so when he when he tells when he tells God hear O Lord when I cry he is actually saying hear me when I call out to you which is a form of prayer now that same word call that same word call right here in in uh, in Psalm uh, 27 and 7 that same word call is the same uh, definition or the same uh, Hebrew word for the word call in the book of Genesis chapter 12 and verse 8 so those two mean the same thing so calling upon the name of the Lord the word calling right there in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 8 means to call out to. Amen. It means to call out to. Uh, in other words, it, it means to also to address by name. Oh, I wish you could see. I wish you could see what I am seeing right now. So when we pray, when we pray in this Psalm, uh, number 27 and verse 7, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. When I call out to you with my voice. When, when I call your name. When I call out to you. When I call your name. Hear me. When I, when I, uh, there's another word that, another definition that you can use for the word called, when I summons you, 
That's prayer. So, so he is he is petitioning God in verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I call unto you. That's what prayer is. Prayer is calling unto the Lord. And notice what he says in verse 7. When I cry with my voice. When I cry with my voice. The, the writer is actually communing with God. And if it's one thing that we need in this world today is we need communion with God. We have, we have lost touch. We have lost uh, uh, genuine, genuine communication with God. We have lost it. And the reason we have lost it, if we haven't lost it, it's on its way out. Genuine communication with God is either lost or it's on its way to being lost because we spend so much time trying to showboat. We spend so much time trying to impress in our prayers, in our worship. Prayers and worship is actually a personal thing between you and God. Even when you are praying for somebody else, it's still a personal line of communication between you and God. We have lost that that authentic prayer. We have lost that the art of authentic, uh, uh, authentical praying. We have lost that art. So. So now look at verse 7 again because I want to show you something. And, and I just told you that we have lost the authentication of prayer. Now watch this. In verse 7 he says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry or when I summon you or when I call to you. So when, when, when he is actually begging God, begging God to to hear him, to give, uh, to give ear to his prayers. He's begging God, when I cry with my voice, and then he says, have mercy also upon me and answer me. Answer me. Some of our prayers go unanswered because we're not crying from the heart. We're not praying from the heart. We're not communing from the heart. Amen. So he says, hear. Hear, O Lord, when I cry. So crying unto God is a form of communication, is a form of prayer. Now go to uh, I told you we was going to go to Psalm 34. Psalm number 34 and verse 6. Psalm number 34 and verse number 6. The writer says, this poor man. Now watch this. Now watch this. In, in order, let's, let's go to school just for a second. Let's go to school just for a second. There is what's called a uh, proper Bible interpretation. And the word for that is 
hermeneutics. 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 Um, hermeneutics deals with proper Bible interpretation. Now, I'm going to help you with something. One of the Bibles, and this is just a little side piece that I've given to you, a little lanyap, as we say in Louisiana, lanyap means extra. Um, to when 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 I was at when I was in Louisiana, I taught a group of ministers, and I dealt with them for about four to five years straight consecutively had a class on Saturday and and uh, um, I taught on proper study methods as a as a as a minister as a believer as a teacher proper Bible study methods some techniques that they can use so when when you're doing when you are doing Bible study when you're studying your Bible um, there is there's a few books that I would suggest that you get. One is a thesaurus, a thesaurus. The other is a dictionary, a regular dictionary. And the third is a, uh, a Hebrew Greek concordance. Those three books, every child of God that is studying should have those three books in your library. A thesaurus, a dictionary and a Hebrew Greek uh, concordance. Hebrew Greek concordance. Now you have iPhones, iPads, you have tablets. You can download these things on an app and uh, you can also use it because that's, that's some of the stuff that I use to study along with my many other books and apps and programs that I use to study. But Back to this lesson, I, I said all of that because there is something else that I'm looking at again that is repeated in all four of the uh, in in all four in all three of those passages that I've just given you. There's there's something that I'm seeing consecutive all three times. Now here's another thing that you need in your study which will help you uh, because I love words. Now, the, get yourself a uh, Hebrew-Greek key study Bible. A Hebrew-Greek key study Bible, which is going to help you in your study. Now, this is this could be for advanced studies, but you anybody can get it. Get the Bible that... Um, get the, the, the interpretation of the Bible or the version of the Bible that best fits you because everybody cannot uh, read the Tao and the dust and all of this other stuff but get the Bible that fits you but if you are if you really want to study and do proper Bible interpretation as you study you need those books in your library a Hebrew Greek Hebrew Greek key study Bible a thesaurus a dictionary and a Hebrew Greek uh, concordance and in most cases the Hebrew Greek concordance will be in the Hebrew Greek study Bible it will bless you now I'm going to show you what I see the third the third for the third time I'm seeing this 
in Psalm 34, uh, we, we see crying unto God. And in, verse, in, in, in Psalm 34 and verse number 6, um, he says, the writer says, this poor man did what? Cry. Stop right there. Because that same word cry right there is the same cry that is in uh, Psalm 27 and 7. And it is the same cry that is in uh, uh, that is in calling upon the name of the Lord in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 8. Amen. It's the same thing. It's a link. It's the same thing. So in all three of these passages, you see where the definition of God, or the definition of prayer is, uh, could be said as calling upon the name of the Lord. It could be crying unto God. And then the, 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 this, this, this is another one. The third one is drawing near to God, drawing near to God. And you can find that also in the book of Psalm number 73 and verse 28, 73, drawing near. And I love this one so much. I love the, the, those words, drawing near to God, because it implies that you are getting personal with God, that, that you are getting closer and closer to God, and you, you're giving him more and more of you. And drawing near to God implies that there is something that is attracting from God that you see it, you feel it, you hear it, and you want it. It's a passion. That's why I like drawing near to God. Because it's almost, it's a passion. You, you draw near to God. You, you want to be under God. You want to be by Him. Just as a child always wants to be up under that parent. I have a child that's on my hip all the time. My baby girl, she's 18 years old. And for the most part, she's always on my hip. If I say, let's go jump off the moon, Gabrielle Honesty Davis will say, let's go daddy. So that's when you talk about, again, when you're talking about drawing near to God, it, it, it is more personal because I want to see when you want to draw near to him, you don't want to see anything in anybody else but him. I want to get right there. That's where I want to be. So in Psalm 73, in Psalm 73 and verse number 28, 73 and verse number 28, it says, but oh, I love this. But it is good for me. I just explained that. The writer says, if you have a highlighter, if you have a highlighter, if you have a red ink pen, if you have something, I need you to highlight or underline this, tear it out and put it on your forehead or on your refrigerator, put it in your pocket, do something with it. But this writer says, but it is good for me to do what? To draw near to God. It's good for me to draw near to God. Now watch this now. 
a part of, and this is where I go, this is where I kind of take my shovel and I start digging with my teaching. Part of, a part of understanding what a word is, is when you define the word and then take the word out and put the definition in and then you have the meaning of the word. So, so when we say that prayer is drawing near to God, okay, take, draw near to God in verse 28 and pull it out for a second. Don't throw it away. Just pull it out and hold it. And and put in, uh, take out, draw near. Take out those two words, draw near. Don't rip it out of your Bible. Just take it out and then put in the word prayer. Or put in the word commune. Or put, put in the word communicate. So now you have, look at it as I give it to you. Now you have, but it is good for me. To pray to God. It is good for me to communicate with God. To God. It is good for me to draw near to God. It is good for me to get to know God. Good for me. And then he says, I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. So see, again, prayer is a very powerful weapon. Drawing near to God. Now, let's go, let's, let's take it to the New Testament. Let's take it to the New Testament with the same, uh, same phrase, drawing near to God. This is what prayer is. Now again, we're talking about the definition of prayer. Definition of prayer, communicating with God. Some forms of communication is also described or is also mentioned as when you call upon the name of the Lord, you're still praying. When you cry unto God, you're still praying. When you draw near to God, it's a form that, uh, that you are still praying. So now let's go with that in mind, drawing near to God. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and then verse number uh, 22 Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 22 we're talking about drawing near to God and we're going to see it again over here now um, now understand this this particular uh, passage the writer was dealing with the access to God there it is again prayers is being mentioned all over the place here communication is being mentioned all over Prayer is actually all over Hebrews chapter number 10. And again, the writer is talking about the believer's access to God. Okay, and keep in mind, we are still talking about drawing near to God. And so what, what is it? What is it that gives us the encouragement to draw near to God 
it's right here in this text uh, in, in verse number 19. The, the thing that gives us the encouragement to draw near to God is that the writer says that we have boldness to enter into the holiest. And we have that boldness through the blood of Jesus Christ. So the writer says, by a new and living way, which he has cons uh, consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God. He said, because of all of this, look at verse 19 through 21 of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 21. He, he, he says, because of all of this, we can do verse 22. Because of all of this, we can, we can draw near to God with a true heart. Because we have, um, we have boldness to enter into the, holy of, the holiest of, of, uh, the holy of holies because of the blood of Jesus. That's why, that's why we can draw near unto God. Because God gave us boldness. Why can we draw near unto God? Because, uh, because of the blood of Jesus. Why can we draw near to God? Because we have a new and living way, which was consecrated through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. In other words, Jesus dying on the cross gave us access to God. And he says, and having an high priest over the house of God, again, who is Jesus Christ. He said, because of all of this, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So again, again, drawing near to God is very, very much the same as praying. Amen. Now, since I'm having fun with this, let us go a little, a little bit further. Uh, one of the one of the other um, ways that prayer is described is pouring out our heart to God. To pour out our heart to God is actually a form of praying. So with, with, with that in mind, let us go to Psalm number 62. Back to Psalm 62 and verse number 8. Pouring our heart. And this is one um, that's, that is also wonderful. Psalm 62 and verse number Eight. All right. So the writer here says, trust in him at all times, ye people. All right. Now, again, we we're still looking at what prayer is described as. OK. And it's all over the Bible. It's all over the Bible. As a matter of fact, this 62nd Psalm talks about depending on God. See? So, 
when you ask the question, why should I pour out my heart? How do I pour out my heart? What is the form of pouring out my heart? You go back to verse number one of Psalm 62 and the writer says, Truly my soul waiteth upon God, from him cometh my salvation. That's why you want to pour out your heart to God because it does not matter what it is when you pour your heart you, you pour your heart out to God it is because it's from him that your salvation comes it's from him that your deliverance comes it's from him that your blessings come it's from him that your comfort comes it's from him that your love comes it's from him so that's why you pour out your heart to God. Sometimes you can't trust people. Amen. You cannot trust people. You be careful in how you share your troubles, your downfalls, your faults, your limitations, your failures to people. Be careful how you share that with people. Because people, instead of people helping you to warfare people will put up negative things in the atmosphere on your behalf and so now you have to fight even harder to pull down the negative atmosphere that somebody else has spoken into your life and then after you have battled to pull that out of the atmosphere you have to uh, you have to begin to, to, to in turn put some positiveness in the atmosphere. Amen. Some, some of what Psalm 62 says. Says truly my soul waited upon God. From him cometh my salvation. This is the reason why you pour your soul out to God. Look at verse number 2. He only is my rock. He only is my salvation. He only is my, here it is, my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Verse 3 says, How long will ye imagine mischief against a man? Ye shall be slain, all of you, as a bowing wall shall ye be. Bowing wall shall ye be. And as a tottering fence. So when you begin to put everything in God's hands, when you begin to pour out your heart to God, God becomes everything that this writer is actually talking about. And then when he gets to verse 8, let's skip all the way down. Uh, well, let's go to verse 5. Verse 5 says, My soul wait thou only upon God. Why? For my expectation is from him. Again, this is why you pour your heart out to God. This is why. He only is my rock. He only is my salvation. He only is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation. In God is my glory. In God he is the rock of my strength. He is my refuge. My refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times. Ye people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. 
So again, we see that a form of praying is when you pour your heart out to God. Now, to pour your heart out to God is to be sincere with God. To just be straight up honest with God. God, I feel like I can't go on. God, I'm trying, but it feels like every time I put one foot forward, I take two steps back. Every time I pay a nickel, I need to pay a, I need a dime. Pouring your heart out to God is a form of prayer. All right. Um, the others, uh, and again, we, we, we're getting happy, so let's go on a little bit further. Job chapter 8 and verse 5 talks about another form, uh, description of what prayer is, which is seeking God is a form of prayer. In Job chapter 8 and, uh, and verse 5, seeking God is a form of praying. So as you turn there, you, you can see, you can see through the scriptures, all of these different descriptions of what prayer is. So in Job chapter 8 and verse uh, verse 5, um, the writer says this, If thou wouldest seek God, seek unto God betimes and make thy supplication to the Almighty. Now, uh, uh, here you have one by the name of Bildad, and he begins to, he's, he's, he's actually talking to God. And he asks God a question. If you notice in verse 3, he said, Doth God pervert judgment, or doth the Almighty pervert uh, uh, justice? And, and, uh, and so, not, not for, not, not to God, but he's actually speaking for God. He's actually speaking uh, for God. So if you back up, he's actually talking to Job, but he's talking, placing himself in the position as being God. So let's go to verse one. Then, then answered Bildad the Shuite and said, how long wilt thou speak these things? And how long shall the words of thy mouth be like a strong wind? Doth God pervert judgment or doth the almighty pervert justice if thy children have sinned against him and he have cast them away for their transgression if thou wouldest seek unto god betimes in other words if you would con if you would communicate to god uh if you would communicate to god or pray to god and make your supplications to god if you do all of these things then there's going to be a change. So Bildad is actually telling Job that uh, you need to seek God. He, he, um, he, Bildad was, uh, his name actually means son of contention. And, um, and so he's talking to Job. So in, in verse 5, he tells them that if you would seek unto God. So seeking God is a form of prayer 
when when you 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 seeking God. Now understand this about seeking God. In in most cases, we we when we talk about seeking God, we want God's hand and not His instructions. So when what I mean by that is we we're not seeking for uh, instructions from God, but we're trying to seek for uh, personal grand divers for. Um, in most cases, and you can be honest about it, you, you're searching, they're searching for materialistic things. But to seek God is to actually seek his counsel. To seek his counsel is, God, what would you have me to do? God, how do you want me to respond to this? That's seeking God, seeking God as it relates to instructions, as it relates to counsel, not so much as seeking to see what you can get from God, but to seeking to, to, to seek God in a sense of asking God, what do you want? Amen. So. So prayer. Is not just talking to God. But prayer also involves listening to God also. So uh, so you got to understand that um, communication, that prayer is communication. And a, a, a one a one sided conversation or one way communica- uh, communication uh, don't last long. It doesn't last long. So when when we pray. We expect God to speak to us. And in most cases, he'll do he will speak to us. And there are different ways that he does speak to us. So when we when we when we pray, when we pray, when we go to God, when we seek God's face, when we uh, when we call upon the name of the Lord, when we cry unto him, when we draw near to him, when we lift up our souls and we lift up our hearts and we, we cry to heaven, when we do all of these things, we want God to respond. We want him to, uh, to speak to us. And so when he does that, uh, in most cases, again, he will speak to us through uh, his his through his word through his written word uh, and then sometimes he will speak and I'm a living witness to this one uh, sometimes he will speak in a still small voice I'm a living witness to that one and um, and sometimes he'll He'll speak to your heart. Sometimes he'll he'll give you uh, a vision, or he'll he'll interpret back to your spirit what you have communicated in your uh, in your in your in your prayer language uh, about as it relates to him. Amen. I'm a living witness to that. He'll speak back to you. Uh, there was an instance where uh, where we had a month long prayer in the month of September uh, back home 
we had a month-long prayer where every day for seven days, for 31 days, we had prayers from 7 to 8 o'clock. From Sunday to Sunday, we had seven. We had prayer from 7 to 8. And if there was a if there was a service going on, we would pause in the middle of the service and at least get a prayer in. And then we would continue with the service. So we had prayer. So within that prayer, and this is my own personal experience when I pastored a church in Louisiana. This is my own personal experience that when I was praying in my prayer language, which is uh, speaking in tongues, that is another subject. Um, I was in my prayer language and while I was praying, I could not articulate or speak in, in, in English words or in my English dialect what I was saying in tongues, but I could actually see what I was saying to God in tongues. And let me tell you this, that when you are praying in your prayer language, speaking in tongues, when you are praying in your prayer language, that is different from when you are praying in your normal dialect. Let me tell you that. And I'm telling you this from experience that it is different. Because in your natural articulation, in the natural articulation of your language, you can pick and choose the words that you want to say. But when when you are in your prayer language, this is where the the Holy Spirit takes over. And let me tell you that when you are speaking in your prayer language, which is an unknown tongue that you cannot articulate. It is nowhere on this earth. That's what unknown means. It is nowhere on this earth. When you are praying in that language, the Holy Spirit will reveal some stuff about you and not so much as about everybody else. He will show you you. And that's why uh, 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 that's, that is one of the benefits of praying in an unknown tongue is the Holy Spirit will trust me some stuff is going to show up and he will reveal it to you. So, so that's the difference in the regular language of prayer and the unknown uh, prayer language, your heavenly prayer language. So, so again, sometimes he'll answer you. Sometimes he'll answer you, uh, by, uh, by your, by your, your, through your prayer language. He will answer you through your prayer language. So, so at the end of the day, don't just rush in and dump all of your requests on God. You, you have to create an atmosphere when you go to God in prayer. There are times when you have to just get it out like Peter. Lord, help me. 
But there are other times when you want to commune with God. Sometimes I go to God in prayer and I don't I don't want I don't have a request. I don't want to request anything. God, I just want to bless you in prayers right now. I just want to offer everything that I am in prayers to you right now. I want to give everything that I am to and I'm not talking about my physical possessions. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about everything that is that is Davis. I want to give it back to him so that he can sanctify it all over again and then give it back to me so that I can do what he wants. But let me tell you, let me tell you this, that you have to know what you are getting into when you are serious about prayers because the tests are coming. The enemy is coming. The, the, the schemes are coming. The rejection is coming. The test will come. When you commit yourself to drawing near to God, to seeking God, to seeking his face, making your supplication, as Job right here, the test will come. Get ready for some downfalls because it will come. It will come. So he will answer. So don't just dump everything on God. And then in your prayer, amen. But what we have to do is we have to allow time for God to speak to our hearts. And he'll give us the answers. He'll give, uh, he, he'll give us the answer to the questions. He'll guide us uh, for, for that particular day. And he'll help us prioritize. Amen. And sometimes he'll give us a special message of, uh, of encouragement to share with somebody else who's actually, uh, who, who we may be interceding for. Intercession prayer is another subject. We're going to get into that later. So when you pray, understand this, that there is no one approved position for prayer. You, you, and we're going to cover this, uh, on the next episode, uh, the, the, there's different postures, but there is no one particular posture that we must have when we pray. You can pray standing. You can pray bowing down. You can pray kneeling. You can fall on your face. You can spread out your hands. You can lift up your hands. But the, the, however you choose to do it, pray. I'll see you next time on God's Roundtable. This is your boy, Dr. J.